is Epiphany. It's a season of the church calendar that immediately follows the Christmas season, beginning on January 6th. So it happens that Epiphany, uh, the start of it, coincided with Sunday this particular year and lasting until the season of Lent. The purpose, Epiphany marks, this is really important to all of us, the manifestation of Christ to the world. This is really important for those of us who are not, uh, not Jewish by descent. Uh, and, and I imagine there are a few Jews with us today, and that's a wonderful thing, but I'm assuming most of us are Gentile. And this is very important because Epiphany celebrates that Christ is for the whole world. He's not just for one family, one tribe, one nation, one people group. He's for everybody. And, and the, the Magi who came from the east, um, they at the very beginning, and, and of course it was uh, not just the night Jesus was born, it was sometime later, but at the very beginning the Magi says, this gift is for the whole world. It's not just for special people because all people are special to God. And, you know, I think about that today, about how Jesus is a gift to our entire world. He's a gift to the Iranians, and he's a gift to the North Koreans, and he's a gift to the Palestinian people, and he's a gift to the people who get on our nerves, and he's a gift, he's a gift to the people who just, like, offend us because he, he loves us all equally. And that's the powerful story of Jesus. And this epiphany is like this light that comes on that says, yeah, Jesus is for everyone. And so we thank God for that. So now here we are, is God has made us a, a gathering here. We're a gathering of people for Jesus. We're a gathering of people, and, and the church has so many different functions, and you'll hear that. But we, we come together, and ultimately it's about this story. It's about this man who is God. It's about um, this, this one faith for all people, all places, all times who believe upon the Son of God. And so, yeah, this is why we're here today. I am sorry. I, I, I hope your new, new Year resolutions come true. But let me tell you something. When my New Year resolutions fail, Jesus is still there. So I'm not giving you motivation today. If you want to pay me, I'll be your motivational coach. I'm pretty good at that. I can give you a rah-rah speech any day, and I'll do that for a very reasonable fee. But <laughs> I, I'm not here to motivate you today. I'm here to point you upwards, to not look at yourself so much and look about who you are and to look at who he is. He, his light is shining, and it's shining in the shadows of our lives. It's, sh it's shining in the dark places that we want to hide from people. It is shining in the places we want to forget. And wherever Jesus shows up, things get better. So the prophet Isaiah, he spoke of the days that we now live in, the days that we are tasting now, the days that we are experiencing. But it's days that are leading to greater days. I love the song Pastor Aubrey introduced to us because it just built our faith and it, and it caused us to look forward. And, and what he's talking about there is not just the earthly blessings that are coming, and yes, they are coming, but he's talking about the heaven reality. When heaven touches earth, when his kingdom comes and his will is done, when God comes to his people again and he resides among his people, and when heaven touches earth, we get a taste of that. And someday the entire world will see what it's like when Jesus has set up his throne and every eye will see that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And so Isaiah said these words, Arise, shine, for your light has come. 
and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the people. Boy, we understand that, don't we? But the Lord will shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on the hips of nannies. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will tremble and rejoice because the riches of the sea will become yours and the wealth of the nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will come will cover your land. Your camels of Midian and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Isn't that what happened when those kings from the east didn't know that they were fulfilling prophecy from millennia before? Why? Because Jesus is worthy of every gift we have. Jesus is worthy of every trip we take. Jesus is worthy of every river cross, every mountain pass that we go over because he is incomparable and he deserves our best. And he loves us that he wants everyone to know the story. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3, or he wrote this. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints. I, I love that humility that Paul never forgot where he came from. He never forgot his sin. I mean, he forgot it in the sense that it didn't, didn't identify his relationship with God, but it kept him humble before the Lord. He's given me this grace, the least of all saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now, you can just think about that sentence a long time. Ephesians is so good about that. Like, Ephesians is so rich. You can just take a phrase and hang out for a while. But we're not going to do that today. We're going to move on because there's other scriptures the Lord wants us to share. Verse 10, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. Listen, guys, this is the assignment that God's people have. We are not here just to maintain some kind of identity and just to kind of put in an hour a week and kind of, you know, oblige some kind of cultural assumption that we have to go to church. This is not who God wants us to be. We are people assigned. We are people given, a, 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 given an assignment from the Lord. We are a people who represent Jesus to the world. And we shine a light we shine a light when we come together. We shine a light when we're focused on the gospel. We shine a light when we're about scripture. We shine a light when we are maturing in the Lord. We shine a light when we're people of prayer. When we're doing all of the God stuff that God wants us to do, then he begins to shine brighter. I want Jesus, I want his name to be much greater. It is much greater, but in our mind and in our perception, I want the name of Jesus to be much greater than the name of CIL, especially since CIL is not a name, it's an acronym. So that would make sense. But, I, I, you know, the, our, our church's name is hard to say anyway. The church at Indian Lake, oh yeah, what's the name of it? It's at Indian Lake, but actually they were supposed to name the street Indian Lake, but they named it Drake's Creek, and we didn't know that. And I didn't really like the name in the beginning, but the board, I, they, they wouldn't cooperate with the name. I wanted to name the church, and so I'm not one person, I'm not a dictator. So I said, okay, let's pass the name. Let's go. Because here's the deal. It's really not about our name. It's about the name of Jesus. 
All right? And, and this, is, this is what it's about. And, and here's the thing. We do not want to be the best church in the city. That, that's not helpful language. Because it's God's will for every church in Hendersonville, every church in Goodlettsville, every church in Nashville, every church in Gallatin to thrive, to double, to be holy, to preach the word of God. And my competition is not against another church. I don't want to be the best. I want the church, all of God's people and all of these gatherings around this area to be the best we can be before the Lord. So that we can please the Lord. This is when the light will shine. And now all of a sudden, Hendersonville and Gallatin and Goodlesville gets a little brighter. Because the people of the Lord are rising up. And, and they're living out the characteristics of Jesus in every area of their life. God wants to shine Jesus through us. And so in the last years, I've been thinking about our church and moving into the second decade of, our, of, of us as a, as a church here in year 11, you know, asking the Lord, okay, how do you want us to shine? Because, you know, there's different ways churches shine because God gives every church a different personality and he gives distinctives. And then the people who are the church, because remember the church is not a, a cold organization. The church is people, Right? So like this collection of us, a bunch of misfits that we are, of a bunch of people who have made mistakes and all of that. You know, who are we going to be? Like what's God called us to be? And here are some things that I've been talking with, with church leadership and praying through. And I believe that the Lord wants us to focus on in the coming years. All right. Here's the first thing. Write it down. Maturing the believer. Maturing the believer. Somewhere along the line, the American church, when we, we realized we needed to reach more people for Christ, we believed the lie that just because people have attended a church a long time, that they're mature in the Lord. And, and it's simply not true. This is how God designed his church to function. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. And he gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. I told you Ephesians is wordy, isn't it? Growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness, Christ being the perfect man. He's our standard. Don't compare yourself to your hero because that's too low of a standard. Compare yourself to the God-man, Jesus. He was fully mature. Any leader you get to know, you'll find they're immature about something. All right? Every single one of us needs to mature in the Lord. 100% of the people listening to me. And if you think you're mature, then you're not mature. That's spiritual pride. And you know, spiritual pride really smells awful to God. The scripture says that it stinks to him. What smells good to God is this pure heart. This, this love for the Lord. And I just, frankly too, you know, I've been a spiritually prideful person. And you've probably seen some of that pride come out when I've preached and stuff. 
you know, when I've wanted to land a joke more than I've wanted to, you know, take us to where God wanted us to or stuff like that. I don't know. I'll still try to be funny. Okay. I was like, no, try to say something funny still, please. 25 minutes is torture if he's not funny today. Yeah, that might be a sign of some maturity could happen. But I, I have so far to go in the Lord. And we are a whole being, body, soul, and spirit. So some of us are spiritually mature maybe as far as we're real disciplined in Bible study and prayer and church attendance and giving, but we're emotionally immature. So nobody wants to hear what you want to say because you don't listen to people. You're kind of rude. You're low on social intelligence. But because you're prideful, you think, well, I have James chapter 5 memorized word for word. And I've got my Greek lexicon right here in my Bible. But nobody wants to hang out with you. That's when I'm talking about maturity. You get a little bit of head knowledge, and then you realize that you're not actually applying the Scripture to your relationships with people. You're not, you're not emotionally healthy. So this maturity is multifaceted. So there's always areas we, have, we can grow. Always areas we can grow. And, and so I want to be part of a church of hungry people, not prideful people. Come on, we're just hungry for the Lord. We're hungry for the Lord. We put a 14-year-old up here to preach, and he fumbles and stumbles like I did when I was 14, and he's kind of reading the Scripture. But I'm ready to hear the word of the Lord because I'm not this expert now wanting to judge what's going on and what the song selection is, what Aubrey's song selection is, and what the transitions are like. And, uh, you know, is Aaron actually, you know, interpreting the word accurately? And I mean, we're so full of pride that we are not receiving from the Lord. And, and, and it is an immaturity we're blind to. So it's a hunger for the Lord. It's a hunger for the Lord, knowing that his word is more powerful than the vessels who give the word. Amen. And knowing that, that we're, we're part of this story, and we're part of this faith family that extends beyond the people in this room, are part of this congregation. It's all the churches in our city, and it's all believers of all times, of all places, who have adhered to the message of the gospel and the word of God. And so I want us to be hungry people. That's why we give you discipleship opportunities, uh, Bible studies, men's group. If, you know, the days are over where we're going to, like, if you want to be in a men's group, sign up. And then people go sign up because their wives nudge them. Those days are over because those don't work. If you're a man and you're hungry to be in a discipleship group, contact me personally. All right? Because, guys, I'm not going to beg you to, to, to pursue God for those of you who, who've been following the Lord for a long time. Um, Veritas is a, is a way that we're providing uh, teaching on hermeneutics right here at the church. Um, we're a three streams church. That is something that makes us distinct, that we want to have the streams of liturgical life, evangelical life, and spirit-filled or charismatic life. Another good way to, to describe that is the three S's. Sacramental life. Scripture and the Spirit. So we don't necessarily specialize in each of those, but we are, believe God's called us in our particular personality to have representations of all of those in our church body. That's why this 
Tuesday and next Tuesday, I'm going, I'm going to be uh, teaching a Holy Spirit seminar and then praying for people. And this is for those of you who want to learn or experience or be refreshed or be part of the spirit-filled charismatic stream. Because we can't just say we're spirit-filled people because we went to spirit-filled churches 15 years ago. Right? I mean, that, that doesn't work, you know. We're like, like, oh, yeah, I, I grew up at a charismatic church or, or a spirit-filled church, so I'm spirit-filled. Well, that, 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 doesn't, that, that can carry you for some time. But I'm so excited to teach on the Holy Spirit. And, and I do believe that that, that, that teaching and practice, uh, suburban people, because everybody wants to leave on schedule, needs to happen on off nights until, until things change. So this Tuesday night, sorry, we don't have child care. You'll have to coordinate with your spouse. We'll, we'll do this a couple times. I don't know how many people will be here. If there's three of us, we'll go to my office. If there's 50 of us, we'll stay here in the sanctuary. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I just want to, I want to teach them the Holy Spirit because I want to bring us into maturity. I want to bring us in maturity and, and to, to, to look at this gift of the Holy Spirit that, that people who are hungry will, will receive this gift. And, and sometimes teaching produces that hunger. So there, there is a, there's a sense of education involved. So we're going to do some education this Tuesday and then we'll come back the following Tuesday and we'll pray, uh, we'll pray for those who want to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Part of my maturation as a minister, uh, I've been in vocational ministry coming up on 24 years and I've never taken a sabbatical. And so the church leadership has talked to me about that. And so in a few months, I'm going to take a sabbatical for probably two months. And we're still working through the details, but I want to tell you about that today because it's not a reactionary uh, type of practice. I'm not like unhealthy. I hope I'm not unhealthy. Uh, and, and, and they're like, send Aaron away for a couple of months. No, it's a proactive thing. It's, it's something that's part of my spiritual development. So we'll have family meetings on that and get ready for that. But I thought on this first Sunday of the year, I'm going to slip that into the sermon so that when those conversations start uh, a couple of months from now, you'll understand that this was thought of ahead of time and that this was something uh, that we're, we're doing as a proactive um, way of spiritual health for me and Beth. It leads us to the second thing I think God's calling us to is to a culture of prayer. A culture of prayer. Uh, that's why tomorrow we'll have the church open from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. We'll have some music playing. And if there's any time of the day you can drop in for prayer for five minutes, for an hour, for 20 minutes, the church will, will be open to you. There won't be any type of organization uh, maybe if one of our elders or leaders are here at the end of an hour, they may call those who want to pray together to pray together. But even if you're here, you don't have to do that. But this is a way that, that we can use this space to pray. Obviously, many of you, probably the majority of the workforce here works in Nashville. So it's hard to physically get back to the church. But maybe you could go to your car. Maybe you could find somewhere to just pray. And, and this, is what I'm, this is where the Lord has me in prayer right now. Not this, like, God, you have to do something kind of prayer. You know, like, this is a year we're going to pray because God's going to do something. I mean, that, that type of ethos may, may be correct some years and in some settings. But I just, you know, I just want to enjoy the Lord this year. And can we just pray because we love God? Not because we're trying to get him to do something. Um, I mean, he, will, he wants us to intercede. And I think we know biblically we need to pray specific prayers. And, and, and I, I write down prayers and I've started, last year I started writing down when God answered prayers, and it's amazing. You start writing down, I started a list of answered prayer, 
it's amazing how often we forget what we prayed and we don't give God glory for it. I think heaven, that's part of the rejoicing. We're going to just see that God was involved the whole time. <laughs> and, and, and we just, we like pray and things get better and then we forget God. And so try to write those things down. So that's tomorrow. I, I never get tired of reading 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Look at the first word of that scripture. If, if my people, and for you today, that doesn't mean if someone else you go to church with prays. It doesn't mean if you come from a good family and your grandma prays. It doesn't mean, you know, if, if you've read about prayer or you've told people on Facebook that you'll pray for them, that doesn't really count as prayer. Um, intention isn't really prayer. I mean, there, there is something good to it, but it, it's not prayer. If my people pray, you know, I suggest to you, and this is what I do, this is how I started becoming a, a person of prayer and intercession, is I just pray 10 things a day, 10 things a day. And I started off with one prayer list of 10 things. And, and you know, I say this not as instructive, not to bring glory to me. Now I have 36 prayer lists. That work through. I don't get to all of them every week, <laughs> but they're there because there's never, once you start praying, there's never, there's never, uh, you'll never run out of things to pray for. You'll never run out of things to pray for, to pray for, but let, let's get started. If my people pray, if my, not if the pastors pray, not if the professionals pray, you know, if my people pray, listen, it's, it is a, a conditional promise and it's, it's in context, it's related to public worship and the gathering of God's people and God wants his people to be a praying church and, and, and the, the challenges before us. When will we pray? I can guarantee you when we will pray. We will pray when we're desperate enough. So that, that's, just, that, that's just national tragedy happens. You guys will come here to pray. If you got a person leading your life, you're gonna pray. But that, that's just a reaction Discipline and spiritual maturity says, I'm going to pray in the good times. I'm going to pray when there is money in the bank. I'm going to pray when my family is healthy. I'm going to pray when I have options to travel and to go places because I'm going to pray not just for me. I'm going to pray for my land, for, for my nation, for my state, for my neighborhood, for my family. I'm going to pray for someone else. That's what intercession is. And so if, when that time of desperation comes, please go to the Lord. Please go to the Lord. I'm not belittling that in the sense of saying that that's wrong to do that. If, if, you've been, if you've been away from the Lord and now you're back to him because there's something negative in your life, that you're at the right place. But I'm just saying for those of us who are in the land of safety and enjoyment and prosperity and blessing and health, pray now. Be disciplined enough to pray now. If my people, if they will just do it, I will heal their land. And some of you, it's secret prayer. So some of you may not be here tomorrow and you may pray more than anybody in our church tomorrow. And nobody but the Lord will know that. And the Lord wants you to know that's good enough for him. Right? Because you pray for him. You don't pray for anyone else's approval. You pray for his approval. So tomorrow, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And we'll have one of those probably quarterly. We'll, we'll begin to ramp up. We have prayer every Thursday at 9.30 a.m., and so you're welcome to come to the church. You can enter through the church office, and we'll show you where that is. We have prayer before each service. 
We have an intercessory prayer team that meets in the study, which if you can just imagine, I'm pointing to this wall. It's a couple of walls behind there and the study. And, and please, anyone, you're welcome to come in for a couple of minutes. You can come and leave. When I go to intercessory prayer, when I'm just ready, I just get up and go. I just get up and leave. I don't tell them anything. I just pray however long I feel like I can, and then I leave. So you're not a captive audience. Come in, pray for a few minutes, and then step out if you need to, okay? Here's the last thing that I feel like God's, calling our church to not only continue, but to ramp up and to grow in, and, and it's this, uh, leadership development. Leadership development. Our psalm for the day says this. May the king of Tarshish and the coast and islands bring tribute. The king of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. Let all the kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him, for he will rescue the poor who cry out and the afflicted who have no helper. He will have pity on the poor and helpless and save the lives of the poor. He will redeem them from the oppression and violence, for their lives are precious in his sight. And we already talked about those themes in the opening of this message. Why do we need leaders? Let me ask this question. Why do we need leaders? Because people need to be led. Why do we need leaders? Because people need to mature in Christ. And I just want to speak over you. Your best leadership is ahead of you. It is. You have not peaked. You are not just living off the momentum of your past. God has great leadership opportunity before you. Our stories are important because they give us context who they are, who we are today. But don't live in yesterday's story. Don't live off a past identification, a past title, something that you used to do. Yes, it's good to share that to give people context. But when, when our dreams, when, when, when our memories are stronger than our dreams, then we're not really living as visionary people. And so I thank God for the memories he has. And, and I've talked about the importance of story and remembering together. But let's move forward. And don't be one of those people that a title ruins you. One of the things that's been discouraging in my ministry is that, that a lot of times when I've given people titles, they don't do good anymore. <laughs> i just being honest with you. The worst thing I can do for some people is give them a title. I guess they were just serving the Lord to get that title. Okay? So don't be that person. If you're recognized, if you're assigned something, if you're given a title, if you're put on a team, if you're given a designation, humble yourself and serve more. And serve more. And so why? Because we need leaders. There's a couple hundred of us in this room this morning, I'm, I'm guessing, and we need 100% of you to be a leader because you are a leader, every single one of us, because the Lord is wanting to bring his people into maturity. A friend of mine said this, and it just, it just struck my heart. He wrote this on Facebook, and I, and I took it, and I put it in my notes as a defining quote for 2018. I know we're in 2019, but last year. It said this, God is still looking for his kings and queens who are willing to give their all to him. This was, this was uh, spoken in reference to Esther. 
So let me say it again. God is still looking for his kings and queens who are willing to give their all to him. He's looking for those he can put in places of influence. Those who are not looking for fame, but are about his purposes. Come on, guys. God's wanting to advance you. God's wanting to use you. God's wanting to bless you. God's wanting to increase your influence. But it's because of his purposes. And when we're so, when we're, we're so obsessed with our name, then we forget about his name. Don't let a little success ruin the life of God for you. Oh, I see it happen all the time. People get a raise. People get a promotion. They just kind of slip out of kingdom life. This is the great challenge to us as, as many of us in here uh, were challenged by the lifestyle of, of, of prosperity. God's people are called to advance. I believe that. In the last days, the Lord told Daniel that his people would do exploits for him. God has called his people to advance in the arts. The arts are not just for the humanist. The arts started in the church and the arts need to be renewed by the church. God's people are called to advance in education, athletics, finance, business, ecology, sciences, medicine, management, politics, civic service, service industry. If you cut hair, cut hair to the glory of God. We don't need God's people or any people with bad haircuts anyway, right? That is a work of art you're dealing with there. Be the best roofer possible for the glory of God. I know because I had a terrible roof job and it caused me two to three years of heartache. If that roofing company, which now went bankrupt, and I know why, if they would have done it to the glory of God, then I would have had more time to serve God's people and pray instead of having all this angst that I had to deal with, put buckets in my garage to collect rainwater. That was not the will of God. Glorify God with your roofing. That just kind of came from way down here. Bring, listen, bring God glory through the company you serve. It may not be the job you want today. It's the job before the job. You know those jobs? You got to have the job before the job. If, if you are in your 20s, Please hear that. You have to have a job before your dream job. Okay? All right? We can't all be, 100% of us can't own businesses if you're in your 20s and 30s. Someone has to actually work for someone else. It's a job to get a job. All right? Bring God glory through that job. Do your best for him. Psalm 72, 11 says this. We already read it once. Let all kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him. Let all kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him. What, what is homage? I mean, it sounds like a cool word. I was like, all right, bow in homage. I like the, I like the sound of it. So, um, you know, I went to Google and put in the word homage. That's my, my research to you. I want to correct you. All you teachers out there, you're like, this is my research. I put the word homage in Google about 810 this morning. Homage is the public acknowledgement that someone else is in charge. Let me just read what, what it said. The formal public acknowledgement by which a feudal tenant, our vassal, declares himself to be the vassal to his lord 
owing him service. To pay homage is to declare that you are submitting to the person in charge. Look at verse 11 again. Let all kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him. How many know that Jesus is going to be served by every leader, every king, every person in authority, and every nation, every nation who thinks they're powerful because of nuclear weapons or they're powerful because of their army or they're powerful because of of all of the finances that they've accumulated and all of the knowledge they've accumulated. All of that will bow to the name of Jesus who is the name that's above every name and the authority that's above every authority. Every king, every politician, Every cultural icon, every athlete, every billionaire, every religious leader, every person of esteem, power, and and influence will bow in homage to him, for he is worthy. This is not this is not on the on the screen, but Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says this: Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He is coming. And every eye will see how great our God is. There is none like him. There is none that compares to him. And he is worthy of our service. And so let us be like the Magi on this day of Epiphany that we're going we're gonna to travel a far place. Even when it's, we're under the oppression of the state. Even when Herod is trying to push us down. And he's trying to, to milk us for our knowledge and take us off course. We are going to go to that baby Jesus. We're going to go to that star that no one else can see. There's a star shining bright brightly that no one else can see, but spiritual eyes can see. It's the way of the Lord. It's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the cross. It's the way of the resurrection because there is none like our God. There is none like him. Would you stand with me?